The Jerry DePoto Show, presented by Seattle Pump and Equipment on Seattle Sports. Morning, Jerry. Morning, guys. How's it going? Well, what uh, what's happening with your team right now? Uh, struggling madly is, is probably the easiest way to put it in virtually all facets of the game. You know, uh, it's you see uh, a bit of life in Tuesday's game against San Diego and, and give the life back on Wednesday. And, and that's kind of been uh, the, the rut we've been stuck in for some time now. Is you and your crew, Jerry, behind the scenes, kind of dig into the numbers, see things that we don't see, right? All of the work that you guys do behind the scene. What are the numbers, some of the numbers that are the most perplexing for you guys? Uh, I mean, by far the most perplexing is what has roughly been a power outage up and down our lineup. We have, uh, we are built to do damage. That's that's what our lineup does. That's what the history of our players says they says that they are going to do, and and we just haven't done that this year. And I, I wish I could tell you why, but it's you know it's roughly up and down the lineup with almost every hitter out there. And you know we we talk about dominating the strike zone. Our you know the bulk of our players, their strikeout and walk rates are in about the range that you would expect them to be. You know some guys are are you know, underperforming in one area or another. But by and large, you know, what you get from a, a strikeout walk ratio, it's not terribly different than what you'd expect. What's really off right now with our team is the damage we're doing. You know, the isolated power, it's not just homers. You know, it's when when we talk about dominating the zone, we talk about getting into good counts and doing damage when we're in those counts. You know, whether that is a first pitch fastball to go hit or two oh two one count where you can really do some damage. And for virtually every hitter in our lineup, we have just struggled to do damage in those counts. Do you have a sense as to why? I wish I knew. You know, if I knew we could turn the dial and fix it and I know it's it's been something on the minds of our hitting coach, you know, Scott, our analysts trying to figure out why because it's not just a little off, it's a lot. Uh it it's been it's been, you know, pretty extreme where we're looking at 25, 30 in some cases 80% declines in in isolated power and and I don't think you can chalk that up to you know a collective slump there's something you know that just hasn't been right with our team for most of the season so far and uh my guess is that that as quickly as it happens it resolves itself because that's sometimes how baseball works but you know i i can't point to any single reason why these guys didn't get weaker they didn't get older necessarily you know we're a year older it's that we're not we're still one of the younger teams in our league so you know, to see the power dissipate like it has. And with it has gone our ability to consistently score runs because, you know, when you're not hitting the ball for extra base hits, it's, it's very hard to score crooked numbers in our league. Does that make you question the strategy of looking for a lineup that, that does damage? I mean, what, what does it make more sense to build a lineup that is about average or, you know, whatever other philosophy would 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 work? Yeah, I mean, you take what you can get is the, you know, we don't have a, a 
I guess we don't have a slew of hitters in our league today that perform like an Ichiro or like a Rod Carew or like a Luis, you know, Arias. They're, they're just not a plenty. And, and I'm not sure that if you had eight of those guys, you'd be terribly, you know, good at scoring runs in, in modern baseball. You, you have to be able to do damage and, and to do damage, you make trade-offs, you know, you make trade-offs in batting average, you make trade-offs in strikeouts and, and you, you build a philosophy around getting in those counts and doing that damage. And, and by and large, we've gotten in those counts. We're just not doing that damage. And, and that's where we need to, to see this thing flip a little bit as we move into the summer month. Jerry, I know it's delicate whenever you talk about individuals. It's much easier collectively in, in looking at the collective group and the struggles. But, you know, to see Colton and A.J. in particular, two guys brought in to, to, to join this new core and to just see, as you mentioned earlier, I mean, th- those are two guys whose numbers aren't a little bit off from their baseball card, long resume of baseball card. They are dramatically off. What do you see going on with those two? Again, you know, just like I see with the collective group, I, I wish I could give you a logical answer to that question. And Colt Monk entered the season with, with a 260 career batting average, sitting 150. I, I don't know really how to answer that. We're two months into a season, you know, and this is a guy who's averaged 13 homers and, and 25 plus doubles with, with bags. You know, he steals almost 20 bags a year and, and he has not done those things. And, you know, A.J. Pollock over the last three years is a 600 slug against left-hand pitching. You know, right now it's it's a, a very low number. I think it's 120. <laughs> so it's, I don't – you can't – those aren't numbers that you can make up. And, and it's not just A.J. and Colton. You know, it's, it's up and down our lineup. It's guys who've been here. It's guys who were brought in. And, you know, I'd like to tell you that, that I feel great about the offseason moves we make. It's impossible to tell you that. They haven't really driven our team or – or helped to, to achieve what we wanted to achieve. And, and frankly, that's, I, I can't really cite them as, as the, the biggest problem. The biggest problem is it's happening collectively to our offensive club. Talking to Jerry DePoto here on Seattle Sports on 710. So what does accountability look like in a situation like this? I guess I don't understand what the question is. Accountability, you know, I'm accountable for putting the players on the field that, that, that are underperforming, you know, the, the players are accountable to, to upholding their approach. And uh, that's all we ever ask of them is to, to uphold the approach. But uh, we don't and can't focus on the week to week. We have had a crummy week and there's no getting around that emotion in sports generally flies to the point where, you know, if, if we have a two and six week, like we've just had, you know, eight games where we've underperformed to the extreme that we have, people get upset and that's the way it works. You know, the, the previous week when we were seven and three, there wasn't as much emotion. You know, right now we are in the middle of the emotion. And when people experience, you know, negative emotion, they're looking for somebody to blame. You know, I don't really know anybody to blame, but me, it, this is, this is what we put together and, we're a 500 team. I, I don't think uh, we intended to, to be a 500 team by the time we got to this point in the season. I don't think this makes us a bad team. I think it makes us a very talented team who has struggled a lot, especially in the batter's box. And, and we have to find our way out of it because we do have the talent. 
on the flip side of that has been pitching over the majority of this season that has done more than their end of the bargain has really been phenomenal, both starting and in the bullpen. Uh, this last week is, is taken a bit of a beating at, at times. I'm just curious, is there a league making adjustments, you know, for a, for a Bryce Miller that was just on a historic rate? Uh, have you seen the teams, maybe two of the last couple starts, start to make some adjustments with his game? No, I, you know, I think that is more uh, reflective of the fact that Bryce just faced the Yankees and the Rangers. <laughs> and, you know, I, I don't know anybody going better than the Rangers right now. And uh, it's tough to see a lineup any better or, or more consistent in putting together good at-bats than that one. And and we caught the Yankees at a time when, you know, a non-traditional you know, Yankee lineup was particularly hot. And And Bryce, as we talked about, I think, last week, was in a stretch of outings where he was pitching on the fifth day uh, for consecutive starts, I think four consecutive starts, for the first time in his career. So, you know, we watched a little bit of a decline in velocity, a little bit of decline in fastball effectiveness. And, you know, the result was he had short outings. And and when you have young pitchers, you know, that's you're going to experience some turbulence. That's just the way it goes. And it doesn't always go as smooth as, you know, roughly 25, 30 starts of, of George Kirby's major league career where, where it looks seamless. More often than not, you're going to get a little bit of turbulence, and I think that's what you saw with Bryce. Jerry, uh, in just reading through some of the, the responses we get, there's a lot of, of conversation about expectation with this team versus where they've ended up being. Have your expectation, or where they've been so far, I should say, how have your expectations for the team in this season changed over the course of the last two months? Uh, you know, they changed day to day. And, and, you know, what I said earlier, the only expectation that, that I can have today or, or tomorrow, so to speak, is go out and take good at bats, put yourself in a good position. And I, I've, I've talked about this before. You know, it's, I think last week we talked about the juxtaposition of a pitching staff versus, you know, a lineup. There's not a magic hitting coach that's going to come in and sprinkle pixie dust. Nobody's going to walk out into the clubhouse and flip a table and yell, get hits. And, and all of a sudden they're going to start hitting. It's about having a consistent approach and the hitters don't have as much control over that as the pitchers do. They are reliant on the opposing pitcher, you know, to, to give in, to, to feed them something that they can handle or hit. And when it doesn't happen with consistency, they press and, you know, my goal for our team tomorrow is to not press because if we don't press, we're going to find that things start coming to us. The strikeouts do start to drop. The runs do start to pile up. And I, I can't sit here as a, as, as a president of baseball operation overseeing what we do and say we have to win 10 of the next 12 games. That's, that's an impossible goal, but it is possible to just control what's there for us, which is putting ourselves in a position to do damage when we can't. And Jerry, I know I've asked you this before, and I apologize. I just got to, you know, ask it again because it comes up in in different conversations. And the way you just frame that right there with pitchers, the pitchers are in so much of the control and and dictate so many times, and especially the elite ones. How then can you, if they're in control, can you control the zone? You know, is is that a philosophical, you know, possibility to really in sustainability to really control the zone if that pitcher so often is actually the one in control? Absolutely. You know, you have the ability and we have effectively, we have strategies for what to do, how to do it. 
and you know zero issue with with pitchers going out and this is different you know when we talk about dominating the zone for our pitchers we want to go out and dominate strike one we throw strike one we win the one one count and put the opposing hitter down one and two if that happens it happens for elite teams about 60 percent of the time so you know my general take is 40 percent of the time the hitter is going to be at advantage in, in that period of time when we have the advantage when the ball is in the court of the hitter we have to be focused enough to isolate in the zone and do our damage and you know there are you know public metrics that do track it you know iso number which you can find on fan graphs is about the best measure of this when when you get into those counts, it's the damage you do that that we're looking for. We're not looking for you to magically come up with a walk. You know, we're not looking, you know, just simply foil, make contact, find a way to extend in a bat because you're going to get in a position to do some damage. And you know, dominating the zone isn't simply about walk more, strike out less. It's about what you do with your opportunity. You know what I hear actually, and, and I kind of chuckled at the time when the coach said it to me. This was years ago, Jerry, the coach hit uh, Vanderbilt. He got elevated from a great D coordinator to the head coach. And I said, Hey, you come into Vanderbilt, you know, what is going to be your brand? You know, what, what, what is going to be your culture? And he's in this big meeting. He says, our culture is we earn the right to rush the passer. And I was like, Oh, okay. I mean, that, that's awesome from a D coordinator standpoint, but you're now the head man running the whole show. I don't know what that does to the offense, but it's the same mentality that you earn the right defensive coaches say this. We got to earn the right to rush the passer. That means on first and second down, we do our jobs. So then we can go do damage on third down. Is that really what I kind of hear using a, a football analogy is that, Hey, you've got to earn the right to get to a two, one count. And when you do, you've got to do damage with it. That's right. And, you know, I, I think if you watch Tuesday night's game against San Diego, despite the fact that we scored, you know, we, we only scored four runs, we did a phenomenal job of driving counts, of creating opportunities. And, you know, we still struck out, but, you know, we, we put ourselves in position to do damage. And then when we got in that position, we did it. And, you know, that's we knocked the starter out early. We drove pitch count. That's what Mariners offense looks like when it's going. And and then yesterday we came out and we didn't do that. And you know, I, I, I don't know why maintaining that focus or sustaining that approach from day to day has been so hard for our team. But it has been. And, you know, that's where we need to see our adjustment. And it's, it's, I said, up and down the lineup. It's not Colton Wong or A.J. Pollock. It's not Tommy LaStella or the fact that we didn't sign a DH. It's that collectively we are all underperforming. And it started with me and putting together the roster and believing that we, we were in a position to, to do this collectively. And we haven't done it. And, and I wish I had a better explanation for we're not old. The back of the baseball card is is proof positive that these guys are good major league players, and uh, sooner or later we'll get to that. I don't think that that we've seen the ends of the productive careers of Gino Suarez and Teoscar Hernandez and and Colton Wong and and up and down. I, I it's I I refuse to believe that we just watched a, a complete lineup of good major league players, you know, stop being good major league players. It, it's illogical. So what is what is the state of the clubhouse then? How how would you characterize kind of the the mood et cetera in the clubhouse now? 
you know, frustrated. I, I think a week or two ago on the show, I mentioned that generally speaking, you know, when, when JP's going, that's when we go. It's, and it's not necessarily, and I, I think I referenced this, there's, it's not about JP's offensive skills. It's not him putting the ball in play, hitting the key homer. It's that his energy, his, what he brings oftentimes is reflective of, of what's happening in our clubhouse. You know, when he's got his swag going, the rest of the group generally has theirs. It's hard to have your swag going when you're getting taken out back to the woodshed, you know, every other day, it's, it's just hard. And in an everyday game, this isn't, you get beat up on Sunday, you you lick your wounds, go through a practice week and come out with vengeance a week later. You got to show up again tomorrow after wearing your O for four with three strikeouts and get after it again. And, you know, right now we have, we have a group that is frustrated. I'm sure we have a group that is staring in the mirror, trying to figure out what it is they can do to get their own season going. And, you know, I think that's the, when you're in June and roughly all of your offensive players are looking in the mirror, trying to figure out what they can do to get their season going. Your clubhouse probably isn't where it needs to be simply because the team focus isn't where it needs to be. Mm -hmm. Uh, When, when we have so many guys who are underperforming their historic norms your natural inclination. And I can't blame a single player for thinking of this. When they wake up, they're thinking, oh my gosh, it's June and I'm hitting 150. Oh my gosh, it's June and I have the highest strikeout rate of my career. Oh my gosh. And I could, I could do this up and down our lineup. And, and I think it's reasonable that when they wake up, their first thought is, how am I going to get myself going? And when our clubhouse is right, it's when all of them are, are chipping in to, to contribute to something greater than themselves. And, and right now that's really hard to do because of the complete nature of our struggle. Even through some of these struggles, is this where you are thankful, Jerry, that you can lean into the continuity and trust that you've had with Scott for decades and decades? Yeah, I, there's this is the same manager who's finished, you know, in the top three and manager of the year for the last two years. <laughs> you know, it's a, with roughly the same group of players that he has today. And you know, I, I I don't I don't think Scott got worse as a manager. I don't think you know, frankly, I don't think that this is permanent. I, I think we have a, an incredibly talented group of players still sub 28 years old on average age up and down our our roster, which is you know, by the standards of our league, a young team. And, and I don't think we're, we've seen, you know, the end of, of the Mariners being a good competitive contending club. And I, and I think Scott has shown over time, I, don't worry, we'll get where we need to go. Sustainability, trust in one another, communication, it, it's, it all matters. And, and I do trust him. I believe that, that this group will solve it. And, you know, you can't, you can't just trade in a plan. You can't trade in a team. And, and I don't know, you know, frankly, this is going to sound a, a little bit, uh, I guess, perhaps uh, a little bit off to say, I'm betting that if we called 29 other clubs and asked, would you like to trade rosters, what it looks like today and for the next five or six, eight years, we'd have a lot of takers. So, you know, I, I guess what I would preach downstairs is, guys, solve it. You know, continue to focus on doing the things that, that we do and we'll continue to be you know, consistent in what we do. And and that's all we can do is is message it consistently and wait for it to turn because the players are too talent for too talented for it not to. So I, I guess what I hear there, and it's something we've talked about over the last week or so, but I wanna kinda clarify it. 
is, you know, if you start thinking about plan versus execution versus results, that the plan in your view was okay, the execution and or the results have not followed? Well, I, I think that's 100% correct. And, you know, it's a, we've, this is, this is how you build rosters. You know, you, you draft and develop. I've, I've said this over and over on these airways. That's what we do. And, you know, roughly 80% of the production in, in major leagues today comes from players that were acquired via the draft developed or, traded for and added to a core and you know and we're on the extreme end of that you know we we do very well in 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 those areas uh, you don't make your hay by building teams in free agency and you know right now we're watching a couple of teams in the league that have went out and, and poured it in in free agency you know one of them is is riding high and multiple of them are riding low it's it's and you could be on either end of that spectrum we believe in our roster building model. We believe in our development model. We believe in our players. And, you know, I, I, it's why I truly believe that, that over the course of the summer, you're going to see some of this reverse itself. I just hope we didn't dig ourselves such a big hole that we can't claw out. Hey, last two things for me here, uh, Jerry, and appreciate, honestly, the transparency at the time where, you, as you said, it's been been a tough week and a tough stretch mm-hmm. here. Uh, Marco Gonzalez, we read it as good news. It's not attached. The, the flexor to the UCL, is is that a misread on our part? Is it still a wait and see a little bit? Oh, no, it's it's good news. I think the the it's, it's good news anytime you know, a, a pitcher experiences any kind of discomfort, elbow, shoulder, or the like, and and doesn't require going for surgery, to be honest with you. And so, you know, I, we take it as a positive. It, it gives us a little runway with a young pitcher to see what he can do. And, and I think we'd all like to, to see Marco sooner than later. And my understanding is that he's going to enter a throwing program here shortly if everything goes well, and then we'll get a better gauge on when that might be. And then lastly, just, and I know this is difficult because we're still in early June here as far as just the market goes and assessing your team and fixing your team and anything else. Do you have any sense and feel yet for what the rest of the league is doing and kind of how do you characterize where, where the market could be based on the results and productivity we've seen, and especially in the American League? Uh, you know, I don't know. And we've, we have had teams uh, check in. We have checked in with a number of teams and what I would call preliminary, uh, you know, trade deadline conversations. It's impossible for us to assess where we will be. And, and this is just being honest. We could go out and acquire prime Babe Ruth and, and, and it's not going to help us. <laughs> we have, we're not one player away or, you know, one magic salve from, from fixing this. This is a commitment from 26 players on a roster to, to, to reverse our course. And, and if we, you know, between now and the end of July, if we show progress in that way, then we'll go out and solve what problem, you know, or problems we can solve. But we're not going to flip out our roster for, for six or eight new players. Uh, again, I feel we are young, we are sustainable, and we are struggling. And, you know, the worst time to make decisions is when you're at your worst. So uh, I, I think the appropriate measure is take a deep breath, watch what's happening around the league for these next 30, 40 days, and, and put yourself in a position to, to make a difference when, when it comes that time. But, you know, to think, oh, my gosh, we need to trade all these guys and start over, that's absurd. We, we built this. It's a good team. We're coming off back-to-back 90-win seasons. We're 500. 
we're, we're not, we don't have 15 wins today. You know, we just had a really crummy week. Jerry, thank you. Appreciate the transparency. Appreciate your thoughts on this. And uh, we'll talk to you again next week, hopefully uh, in a better spot. Thank you. Okay, guys.